Yeah, yeah, do <laughs> Yeah. Real people walking the streets. The streets is talking often. It's beef. The city never does. People walking, talking, they sleep. Cold sweats and wet dreams on how to get green. Our faith is all in the cheap. Black souls, raw and they deep. Hypes trying to talk with no teeth. Shorty said, ball of retreat. A lesson we all speak at one point or another. What you expect from one who smoked a joint with his mother? Anointing hustlers in a fatherless region through the pain. Welcome to The Radical Bureaucrat, a podcast for people who want to change institutions from the inside. Today is Thursday, April 23rd. New York is still on pause, as Governor Cuomo has put it, and we will be through May 15th at least. Uh, We're going to return to the topic of grief, which we talked about on our last episode and how it's hitting all of us during this time. And we're going to do it with an outstanding guest today who's renowned for his insights on teaching, learning, equity, and much more. Yeah, I'm very excited. We're talking to Jose Luis Wilson, known to many as the JLV. Uh, Jose is a full-time math teacher, a writer, a speaker, and an activist right here in Upper Manhattan in New York City. He's author of This Is Not a Test, a new narrative on race, class, and education. He's spoken about education, math, and race for a number of organizations and publications, including New York Times, The Guardian, TED, El Diario, La Prensa, and The Atlantic. Uh, he's a National Board Certified Teacher, a Math for America Master Teacher, and Executive, executive Director of EduColor, an organization, uh, and that's actually how I got to know uh, Mr. Wilson. Uh, EduColor is an organization dedicated to race and social justice issues in education. It's a very kind of teacher-led, teacher-organized um, space, a really dope space for educators. Uh, welcome to the show, Jose. Thanks for having me. Well, we're really glad to have you. And normally we would ask guests when they first come on how they're doing at the start of our interviews, but we just asked you that offline and you said you're alive and that about sums it up for all (laughs) of us, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, but what I I really wanted to ask you anyway, just just to start off and right to go into this topic of grief, uh, we're all grieving different things during this time, ranging from actual loss of life of, people that are loved ones to just the loss of our formerly normal routines. And so we always like to start our interviews by grounding it in the personal. And I just wanted to ask you, how is grief coming up for you uh, during this time? You know, however personally you want to share your, your answer to that question. There was a time prior to this um, stay at home order that, I would wake up to the sound of an alarm and this alarm was reliable at 5:30 every weekday I'd wake up I would have about an hour before I needed to hop on a bus and then I would hop on that bus hopefully catch uh the 116 up to the C or B up to mm. the A and then get to school reliably at about 7:20 with the with coffee in hand in hand from the bodega like that that was a normal thing for me Mm -hmm. um these days i don't know when i'm going to go to sleep i'm usually uh woken up by the sounds of an ambulance Mm -hmm. some sort of siren and i'm usually uh in touch with some sort of siren blaring out of my harlem window Mm -hmm. daily Mm -hmm. um this has uh occurrence every three to four times a day, uh, which is kind of startling. But, you know, we shouldn't ever feel like that's a normal thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. back in my childhood, 
growing up around gunshots was not a thing. Um, it, did, I mean, obviously, you know, we, you never learn, you never unlearn that sort of trauma in mm-hmm. your bones, really. But that that kind of reminds me how many of us, you know, are const- constantly having to deal with all sorts of trauma and grief. And yeah. this is just a new era where, it's, you know, the, the sirens were kind of always blurring in my childhood. Hmm. But these days it's because I know that there's this unknown fear out there. Hmm. So that's kind of how I'm dealing with it. Not to mention that as an educator, I... I'm lost without my classroom. Mm-hmm. I am lost without having the actual face-to-face contact with students. I, and, you know, props to all the educators out there. But of the, there's a big part of me that does not feel like a real educator anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I'm just trying to get these assignments in mm-hmm. and grade those assignments and make comments and then create my videos because that gives me at least some sort of semblance of the thing mm-hmm. I used to do, right. but it is, it's not the thing that I do. Like the face to face is the thing that I do. And unfortunately without that thing, then I, I, I teach students. I don't teach math. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. So yeah, right. that's all of this. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for uh, being so honest, you know, about, uh, you know, because I think there's a temptation for us to kind of like pretend like, oh, I got it. I'm chilling. This is fine. You know, I'm, I'm locked in. I think it's so important that we that we like model what like honesty. Yeah, honestly, everything's upside down. And I, I miss the old days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think just naming it uh, like that really helps me. Um, I, I noticed in uh, a recent blog post, uh, you talked a little bit about um, what something I thought was interesting. I've got a quote here. Um, there's another curve. Uh, that we all need to explore as well. And that's the disinterest curve. At some point, without the compulsory nature of going to school, can these bonds we forge from September to March hold until June? Or will the interest wane as the weather gets warmer? How are your efforts to keep your students engaged going now, more than a month into the crisis? Oh, that last part was a question. Okay. Um, I, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I have so much more to write about this, this yeah. current state in time. But you know, we were supposed to have a spring break, and through any number of political moves, we ended up not having any right. sort of breathing time at all. Even mm. uh, there were other districts that got the breathing room, we never got it. Mm. So, but what ends up happening is that when students see that we were supposed to get something and we didn't get it they're going to take it anyway because who's going to stop them? Mm-hmm. So a lot of my students ended up just taking the break and we just had to sit back and say, okay, like that's your prerogative. Um, as far as interest is concerned, it, it waxes and wanes. I feel like there are days when I get a lot of students. There are days when I don't really get a lot of students. So in order to mitigate that, I've decided to just post videos and then make my uh, Google Meet sessions into like office hours. Hmm. And that's kept a lot of the stress um, off my chest. Um, and then even today, some I had like a good six or seven kids that showed up. Mm-hmm. We talked for the first 10 minutes about math. And then we spent the next 20 minutes just, you know, chilling and, you know, talking mm-hmm. about random things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was the best way to, for me to mitigate that because when I tried the whole 
let me replicate school the way I would do it, including having a do now, having a lesson, trying to get kids to participate, asking questions and doing all, all that stuff. I felt my chest just like super tight mm. and stressed. And of course, you know, and, and me being in the hood, I'm like, wait, is this allergies or is this the Rona? Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, yo, like one of these things is going to kill me. It's going to be stress. It's going to be allergies. Or it's mm. going to be, you know, coronavirus, right? So um, in, in order for me to eliminate at least one of those factors, I decided to just, you know, keep it as, you know, low stress as possible. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. I still feel like the kids are turning in assignments, but they're doing it in their own way. Mm. So they, they may take one day for English, another day for math, another day for, you know, they have their own schedules. They're flexible with it. And we, we're going to have to trust them unless we don't see them at all, in which case we got to reach out. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, it's been really weird as far as interest is concerned because the old ways of us measuring interests in terms of students, especially face-to-face, is no longer the case um, yeah. in this era right now. Yeah. Uh, there's so much there that I want to respond yeah, to. Or I, I want to, you know, the first thing you said about just the fact that you, you as teachers never got time to breathe. Um, you know, so for listeners that don't know, New York City had a spring break that was supposed to start uh, the Thursday before Good Friday. It was going to be Thursday, Friday, and then the full week afterwards. And initially, the teachers union <laughs> kind of beat the, the school system to the punch and, and put out a letter and said, we're not going to have this, the full spring break, the full Monday through Friday, but you will get the Thursday and Friday. So people kind of assumed that that was the deal. But the the actual school system, the chancellor said, well, hold on, we're going to put out guidance. And when they finally announced it, they said, no, no, no. That was never the plan. There's not going to be any days off. But in order to lessen the load for teachers, we're going to give them some material and it's going to be project-based. And so it's not going to be the same kind of load for teachers. And the, the, the reasoning there was that, um, you know, parents needed to have something to keep their kids occupied during that spring break. That was a lot of the rationale. And so it's interesting to hear Jose talk about it. And, and you're, what you're saying is, well, you know, there were a lot of teachers who were like, we really need a mental health break, but it sounds like your students needed that kind of break as well. Um, is, does, is that right? Am I hearing that right? That's, that's more than right. The students yeah. ended up just taking the days anyway mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in a way that adults cannot. So good on them. Yeah. Hmm. And so, and then the other thing that you said there that I wanted to respond to was you were talking about what a math lesson looks like and, and you have the video chat and, you know, you talk about math for 10 minutes, but then you talk about these other things for 20, 25. And a lot of times the, the, the jargony word that we use in education for uh, connecting with students is social emotional learning. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to get a little bit more specific, right? Um, not just in terms of well, how are you connecting, making your lessons socially, social, emotionally uh, relevant? But, but this this idea of grief, I'm just curious if if you have any ideas about how we make space for grief in this remote learning environment. And I and you can tackle it any way you want because you can talk about it as a teacher. Like, how do we make space for teachers and your colleagues to grieve? Um, I don't know if it's happening through your your team meetings or school meet like staff meetings or whatever kind of communication you're having or what you think might be should be happening um or how you allow students to process that grief i don't know if students have expressed to you either 
how it's impacted, who the sicknesses have impacted their family members or themselves, or or just like you talked about before, the loss of the routine. So um, I'm putting it out there in a general way, uh, and I'm curious about your thoughts. Just where does making room for grief fit in right now? I appreciate the general the generalization of this because there's, and of course you can now hear a siren go yeah. off yep. in the back of me, right? It so. Yep. It's real, and you know you want to keep this in the podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We made that point I, earlier in another mm-hmm, podcast yeah. episode. Actually, I used to mute them. I, yeah, I mute I'm myself like, when the yeah, yeah. Let's let's just keep them in. It's real. Um, yeah. So, look and at we're that. all in Harlem, by the way. I don't know if you know that, Jose. I'm a little north of you. Abrams a little east of you. I I heard. So, yeah. um, well, now I think I might be more east of y'all. So, mm-hmm. um, oh really? Yeah, oh, okay. re- recently moved. So, oh, okay. In any case, it's wild. What I will say is this, um, this is the root, is if you were already graceful before COVID, you are in better shape to handle the moment than if you were not so graceful beforehand. And when I say graceful, I don't mean eloquent. I don't mean that you move in ways that aren't clumsy. I mean that you were able to extend grace to your students whenever and wherever possible. Unfortunately, there are there are a lot of uh, fellow adults across different um, professions that don't necessarily feel the same way about grace. But then COVID hit and they just didn't know what to do when mm-hmm. you had you used to have 30 students who folded their hands at you and, you know, they were able to participate at all mm-hmm. times. And now you only have five or six kids paying attention at the time that you decided to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Versus with me, I was I was already ready with the grace, and I needed it, and I didn't know I needed it until maybe uh, two weeks ago when a student told me, I think it was on a Friday or on a Saturday, she sent me a private message, and she says, Mr. Wilson, I'm going to try to complete your quiz. I don't know if I can, because my father died, and mm-hmm. I just need you to give me the time to... I was like, excuse me? Yeah, no, well, you won't. Go handle what you need to go handle. Yeah. My assignment can utterly wait. And, you know, you find out, you know, um, any number of our students have uh, parents who had passed away um, or were affected by the by COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And any number of situations were happening at home. And I was generally in tune to that anyway. So the grace, the, the, the pocket of grace was always within me, right? So I was cool mm-hmm. with it. Um, and I was able to tell, you know, my, the rest of my staff. I don't know if the rest of my staff got wind of it before I was able to put that out there for the rest of the adults. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think those these are ways that we have to be thoughtful. I'm not that great with self-care, too, mind you. So mm-hmm. that's, I'm not great. But what I am great at is communal care. I'm very mm-hmm. good with yeah, community so, care. Yes. Mm-hmm. Being very thoughtful about checking in with friends, checking in with, mm-hmm. the, you know, other people making sure that we're good and, you know, try to build different conversations, whether it be text. Um, and of course, those of you who are familiar, you know, I also, I set up like a two week Institute on Instagram, not for the likes and the, and you know, the views, but because I felt like there were parents who were literally struggling with teaching their kids math. And I was like, if I could be at your service, I told you will. So I did mm. that. And that transformed into a YouTube channel I just say, you know what, if you want to give your kid a lesson for like six, seven minutes, here's maybe a resource for your kid. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to be a beautiful thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. that, but that was that was my way of like saying like, hey, I care, and here's right. some ways that I can show that for you, not because of anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're saying is so profound. Um, you know, this idea of grace, uh, and you know. <sighs> I think what I what I I've been thinking on a lot is the ways in which we re um, act out the same script that was acted out on us when we were in school and how without thinking about, you know, this is implicit bias. Right. Without thinking about it, we rush to these quick answers and solutions on ways of of being and treating people and. yeah, graceless is a is a good way of putting it, you know? Like, that's not something I want to be described as when people look back on the time that I spent in this crisis. I want people to think of me as somebody who was graceful, you know, who, right. who moved from a place of abundance, not a place of, you know, mm. what the rules say and what you have to do, you know? And I think that applies up and down, right? Like, it's one thing with kids to, to show grace or not show grace. You know, you want to be strict, people think, or whatever. But, like, even with adults, even with people we interact with who are, you know, ser- serving us, right? Like, make, making food or p- packing groceries or whatever, right? Like, the ways in which we show that grace, yes. you know, like, that's so powerful. So, and, and I do think that that, in some ways, is an antidote to, to that, um, you know, that real heaviness of that grief. That's right. That's right. And of course, you know, we look at the cases and that's why we needed the racial breakdown, right? Because when you actually look at the COVID cases, you start realizing that, you know, Washington Heights, where I teach, you have over 600 cases, probably more at this point. Um, And a lot of those parents are, you know, the parents of my own, of the children that I teach, which is connected to my own classroom. So Mm -hmm. naturally, if I wasn't thinking about that before COVID hit, I need to start thinking about that right now because that really matters for so many of our of our children and then their own parents. Um, it, it's just wild that you know these are the sorts of things that we should have been thinking about beforehand. But mm. now, now it took a whole pandemic, which is turning into epidemic now, right? Um, to get that sort of quality into all of us, for us to be more conscientious of folks we now consider essential workers. They've mm-hmm. always been essential. Right. We just need to match right. the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to ask um, a thing that we try to to ask everyone who comes on, uh, which is with all of this going on, all, you know, you mentioned self-care and, um, you know, with everything that's going on, is there anything that you look to that brings you that sense of calm or centering the ability to like be steady and be your full self in the face of all this craziness. You know, what's interesting is that um, a lot of people tell me to turn off the news because the constant looking at the news makes it hard to mm-hmm. really be um, really stay sane, if you will, um, mm-hmm. to, for lack of a right. better term yeah. right now. But for me, I feel like, you know, I the way I stay sane is by being more informed because as an educator, I see myself in a way as a public servant, if you will. So any number of right. people can ask me questions and I can give them really good answers based on the things that I'm able to surmise from the information I've been given. So that's one element. Mm-hmm. But really, 
if I'm being honest, I think my son provides me so much of the right. grounding. Mm-hmm. He, his eight-year-old self, I see him, you know, he's in the morning meetings with his, uh, with his teacher who, by the way, I actually had to give a professional development on, on the Google meet. <laughs> so like, I'm literally <laughs> teaching my son's teacher how to teach. And it was, uh, kind of, it was wow. amazing. Um, but once you know we got through that phase, um, I'm seeing her run her morning meetings with her students, and I'm seeing these little kids like they're eight years old, but you know they're yeah. really profound, they're thoughtful. And then at one point, her power cuts off, and he starts running the meeting. So Alejandro's uh. there, like <laughs> the meeting, and he's like, "All right, everyone." Well, he goes, "Hi, everyone. Have a good day." You know, it's been real, and I'm like, oh, "Excuse me, okay." <laughs> so of course. The next time, you know, and me and my wife were sitting there. My wife is amazing, too. Like, she's a better educator than I am. I tell that to everybody. But, like, um, the next time around, apparently, like, she has a meeting. And somehow she found out that Alejandro had ran the meeting. I'm like, let me go look this up. All right. Her principal follows me on Twitter. Let me tell you. So then (laughs) um, cycle back around. All of a sudden, she says, Alejandro, I heard that you ran the last meeting. Is that true? And he goes, yeah. He goes, well do you mind running the meeting today? Cause I have a staff meeting at nine o'clock. And I'm like, oh, so wait, wait. So, yes. I'm waiting. <laughs> oh man. No, no, no that God, was yeah, a, go ahead. A, a, I was way waiting wait. the situation. Like, wait, 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 yeah. he, you're going to yeah. do what now? <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And sure yeah. enough, he ran the meeting all the way through nine 30. I'm like, wow. okay. So, you know, we're, these are the things that kind of, you know, have brought me joy in a way because mm-hmm. there is, even though it's not normal, like our children just have a way of just being so pure with it. It's like, this is what I'm feeling now. This is how we're going to do this. And, you know, we, we got this. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm immensely blessed to have, you know, the family that I have and um, not just, of course, the friends I have and the ways that we're thinking about policy and practice and, any number of things, but I really, I, I owe everything to, you know, my family. So it's mm-hmm. been a blessing to have them. I hear you. I have an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old. And I, I, there's something about the developmental stage that the eight-year-old is at um, in this moment mm-hmm. where there's still so much innocence. Um, but obviously, uh, in, and I don't know, I don't know how much of this is personality-based, but but the eight-year-old just kind of is rolling with it in a way that the the stress of the eleven-year-old who's in sixth grade is is much heavier. Hmm. Um, but the eight-year-old has a lot of awareness too. He's asking good questions today. He saw me reading an article and he was like, "Yeah, Dad, why don't we have good health care for everybody?" And I was <laughs> like, "Well, I'd have to read you the article, but yeah. I don't know if you want me to do that." And he was like, "No, <laughs> like I just want to do this." But I, the the kids, those of us who have kids at home, and, and mm-hmm. Abram does too, like. Yeah. It, it is everything and it does remind you of um, just what's most important. I, I think, and I think of myself, you know, as, as someone like you, Jose, who started teaching before he had kids, mm-hmm. I'm like, how did I even do this without kids, right? <laughs> like sometimes when you have a teacher who doesn't have kids and they do something, you're like, I wish you had kids so you would understand like the other mm-hmm. side of it all. So, that's indeed. Cool. Yeah. Jose, uh, how can people find you? Uh, let us know your your social media, your website, whatever whatever you think people should look for right now. What, what should they be looking for? Oh my goodness! Um, I mean, the easy thing to say is just Google me. That actually works. Yeah. It's wild. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's it's kind of a privilege. Um, what I will say is I am hyperactive on Twitter at t h e j l v. Perhaps a little too responsive, actually. 
Um, <laughs> and then uh, after that, it's Instagram, T-H-E-J-O-S-E-V-I-L-S-O-N, the Jose Wilson. My website is always available to folks who want to email me something longer. Uh, I tend to have a lot of resources around how to people how people can think about um, this very issue. Um, I mean, that's how you can reach me more or less. I mean, I'm, I'm, I try to be yeah. as responsive as possible wherever I can. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I can be the person that speaks to the moment, which yeah. is really critical at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, I know you got a TED Talk out there. Your blog is up there. People should buy your book. I mean, for those who don't know, uh, Jose is really... Uh, in a lot of ways, the voice of, of teachers of color in New York City who are serious about equity. And so, um, you know, folks who are here know, and, and he increasingly is known around the country. So we're just really privileged that you took the time to come on and, and uh, thank you and, and, and be in touch. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks appreciate for coming it. on. Really appreciate it. See you soon. We will. I'll see you. It's real people. Black men walking with white girls on their arms. I'll be mad at them. As if I know they moms told to go beyond the surface. A person's a person when we blessing our women. Our conditions seem to worsen. The weary cursing the sky, talking to themselves, giving their version of why helping, hurting they I live across from it. Some of it I do be That's you, Sam. All right. So um, let's end like good radicals. Abram, uh, what's one thing you learned today that you can use to create a more just and equitable world? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the great, the thing about gracefulness, uh, and gracefulness as a kind of a character thing or as a personal practice. So like the gracefulness of yesterday, uh, showing up today and, and, you know, how much you, how much you develop and grow in your gracefulness is going to be what it is tomorrow. Uh, I think that's a powerful takeaway from this. And, you know, as I was kind of reflecting on it, even talking to Jose, I was thinking about my own, you know, really my own interactions as I go to the grocery store and stuff like that. And I think the, you know, the more of that we have, the more um, kind of affir- micro affirmation we can give out to people. You know, I try these days to to be very like, you know, people will, you know, uh, uh, they'll stutter with you or whatever. And I'll be like, you know, it's okay. Go ahead. You go ahead. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You know, like giving that just kind of broadcasting that graceful, like we're okay, we're gonna be okay. I think that's a, such an important source of of um, comfort, healing for for our community. So, um, yeah, I'm t- definitely sitting with that as we leave. Yeah, I I think that idea of grace was really at the core for me of what I heard, and um, you know, I'm looking here. Uh, as some definitions of grace. So um, <laughs> the, the first thing that people often think of, number one comes up is simple elegance or refinement of movement. But number two is courteous goodwill um, or the verb is to do honor or credit someone or something by one's presence. And I think for me, what, what Jose is talking about is honoring the people who, are, who you are working with yeah. and who you're working for. And if you weren't doing that before, it's hard to just start doing it now in a crisis. It's true. It's very right? true. Yeah. Um, 
Maybe just stay home, stay inside if you're not feeling yeah. graceful. You know, I think yeah. actually I should also say it is okay if if your personality is not very graceful. That's fine. You don't you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you just you just have to be aware of it. And it is okay to feel like today I'm not very graceful. I don't got no grace left today. It's okay to stay home, rest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like um so so I'm not trying to say like, you know, everybody has to go out and be Pollyanna. I just think we, you know, it's a good message to to like be be conscious of the practice of grace, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess I would I, I agree with you because we have to be aware, especially right now, of where we're at. Um, but I think teachers have to be graceful, right? Like when you show up yeah. for your job, the, the teachers we wanna have have to Yeah, we wanna uh, be graceful with children. Right. right. That's that's what we believe. We mm-hmm. we want uh, we wanna be graceful with te- children and even more so with their with their parents mm-hmm. um, yeah. and recognize who they are. And it, you know, when we, when Jose was talking about essential workers, right? Like there's a, people are, are responding now to the rhetoric that our grocery store workers, our, our MPA workers, our, our healthcare workers are heroes. And it's like, no, we're not heroes. Yeah, In no. fact, you're, sac- you're, you're sacrificing us. Yeah. You're putting us out there without, without the right gear. So we're not heroes. We're conscripts. If you thought I was, Right. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, We've been recruited into unwillingly this sudden emergency fight. Yeah. We are, right. If if we were essential, then you would protect our lives. Yeah. And in fact, what we, we would are have health care. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We would have health care. And so, but grace comes into that when yeah. we recognize uh, the full humanity right. and, and everything that people are going through and, and, uh, and, and don't see them as just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of a line from uh, Boots from the Coup, who said uh, on Steal This Album, he had a line, he said, I used to think that women are, were saints, hoes, or skeezers, right? <laughs> like this idea that women could only be one of three things, right. saints, hoes, or skeezers, right? <laughs> and it's like, um, and, and he had to learn how to extend grace and to see them as full people. Right. Um, and, you know, the... The, the students who are in our public schools and their families are full people and right. uh, yeah. we recognize them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good word. So, um, I want to, before we wrap up, um, I, I want to say, uh, Jose, I know you stuck around to, sit, to listen. If, if you want to chime in, if you want to say anything else, go ahead. I want to plug Abram's blog though. Um, so, any last words, Jose? Not to uh, put you on the spot? No, nah, I'm good. I, I, well, all I was going to say was just like, you know, hopefully we remember all these lessons after we get yeah. to the wave. That's, right. that's all I'm going to yeah. say. I hope this, mo- this mm-hmm. moment ra- radicalizes us in a very profound way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man, from your lips. Gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So listen, um, listeners, Abram put up a really fantastic a blog post on our website, radicalbureaucrat.com. It's called Breathe, Just Breathe. Um, and Abram, I, I pulled an excerpt that I, I was hoping that you could read just a, a three sentences that, that I've really popped out for me. I, I could read it myself, but I think it's yours. Yeah, you sure. I, I'll do it. I might scare people because I do use the W word. Um, so, uh, you know, if there are children present and all that, uh, it says, if we don't learn how to breathe and make space for the breathing of others, we'll continue to act out the script of whiteness and coloniality that operates inside within each of us. 
We will let ourselves be abused until we turn to our fellow and abuse them in turn. Then there's, when there's no time to breathe, we just default to the biases and norms that got us here in the first place. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think it fits into the conversation we're having here. Uh, it's about giving grace to yourself, right? Uh, as, as well as to, to others and to what Jose just said. Uh, hopefully we emerge from this uh, more radicalized in a positive way. So thank you for that. There's a lot more there. So readers, please check it out. Um, at our website. And as always, uh, please take the time to give us a rating or follow us on Apple Podcasts or just tell your friends about us. We want to share these conversations with great guests, with anyone who may get something out of hearing the conversation. Yep, for sure. All right, let's also end by being good bureaucrats. The views expressed here are our personal opinions and do not reflect the official or unofficial position of any government agency, policy, party, leader, or really anyone else besides the two of us, and maybe you, but maybe not. This content has not been sponsored or approved by anyone. It was mostly just made because we wanted the opportunity to talk about things that matter to everyone, whether they realize it or not. Thank you for listening. Be the owner of more land than is set aside for wildlife. Be Cupid the world government be found among the truth laws tried be at full strength when walking through the valley be not foolish as temporary kings